thank you for joining us for this next year turnaround restructuring and insolvency podcast series. We'll be exploring global issues that affect the world economy. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a selection of experts from around the world in firms that are all part of the Nexia International Network, and all of whom are leaders in turnaround, restructuring and insolvency. Nexia International is a leading global network of independent accounting and consulting firms. All of the experts appearing on this show can be contacted via the Nexia International website. Thank you. The cryptocurrency market changes rapidly, and there's also been a great deal in the news recently. So we've invited Vincenzo Toppi from Cone Resnick and John Wilson from Haystack ID to talk to us once again about cryptocurrency, latest developments, and what we need to look out for in our day-to-day work. This is our third podcast on cryptocurrency, so if you'd like to learn more about this area, then do have a listen to the previous podcasts. Finny, John, how are you both? Doing well. Doing really well. Good. How's it going, Rebecca? Yeah, everything's great here. I mean, it's great to have you back because we've done a couple of other podcasts like this on crypto and it's such a hot topic. Every time I mention to somebody that I'm doing a crypto podcast, they go, oh, what's happened now? What's going on? What's it about? (laughs) Because people are still really, I think, grappling with it all, aren't they? It's, It's still a new area, I think, for everybody. So we're here today to talk about the updates of sort of what's going on in the marketplace um, and how things are changing and evolving because it's such a great speed everything's going at really, isn't it? So a first bit I wanted to talk to you about is sort of regulatory bodies, because obviously there's been an issue, there's been no regulation in this marketplace, really. And um, and they are now starting to take a stand. So I wanted to ask you how they're doing this. Yeah, look, there's been a lot of activity recently. We went through a string of bankruptcies, a lot of exchanges uh, filing for bankruptcy. Overall, within the crypto market, um, there still are questions as how how do you classify those currencies and those assets? So, you know, anything from the IRS to the SEC to uh, the Consumer Protection Board, right? They've all taken different stances. Uh, but I, I would say the SEC has probably been the most active recently. Right. Um, you know, they're they're going after companies operating as unregistered exchanges. They're also going after companies for selling assets they're classifying as securities that aren't registered to sell. Um, and so you see that they've been active in bankruptcy cases. You see that they've filed a lot of litigation. I think the the last two were. In the last month, month and a half, they they sued Coinbase for uh, you know both of those you know operating as an unregistered exchange and selling unregistered securities, and the same thing with Binance. They've ramped up their task force; they're hiring people, right? And so they're really focused on this uh, and going after those entities right now. That's really interesting. But I mean, the ultimate goal of this is to have an impact in the marketplace, isn't it? It's like if you take action, then you want to see a response out there. So people started to behave themselves better. So, John, do you think we are seeing people starting to behave better in the marketplace in this area? Well, yeah. So there's some players that are certainly um, behaving better, but there's a bunch of people that are just kind of trying to buck the system or fight the system. Uh, You know, so it's, you know, it really is still kind of the wild west out there for cryptocurrencies. I, I mean, you know, we can talk more about this a little later, but you have things like stable coins and, you know, you've got 
this new newer stablecoin, True USD, that's kind of climbing the charts, and nobody knows who owns it. Nobody knows really anything about it. It's just kind of out there, and it says it's the best and most stable stablecoin, but nobody knows anything about it. They, 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 their assets are actually tracked on the blockchain, so it has kind of a mechanism for you know being able to see that it has the assets to back it but nobody knows who controls it how it's controlled and uh, anything else about it and, and that's kind of the prime example of how how much of a wild west it is i mean you wouldn't have a company listed on the dow with uh, nobody knowing who runs it who owns it how it operates or anything like that and yet you have you know a, a fairly substantial player in the stablecoin market that is a complete unknown can you imagine it <laughs> if you turned up at the stock exchange with your business and went, no we're not telling you not telling you anything but it, but again john john makes reference to the dow and he's making reference to a highly regulated industry, right? And right. So w- what you see is one of two things. You see companies or, or crypto assets fleeing the United States because the, the regulations are up in the air and there there there's no true understanding of what what how it should be handled. Or you have those that are going outside the United States because they do want to, you know, conduct those nefarious transactions and that's how it's going to be done. It's kind of a prime point in that, you know, the, the, these uh, entities and the, the regulations, I, I, I get it, you know, like I can't say that I don't understand why they're fleeing the United States because you still have the IRS, the SEC, FTC, they're all thinking about it differently. They're all approaching it differently and there's no consensus. Whereas, you know, you do take it and compare it to like the Dow or something. It, it is very regulated, but it's very defined. You know, it, it's it, everybody knows who they answer to. Everybody knows how they answer to them, what they have to answer about. And in the in the crypto world, there is none of that. You have no idea in the U.S. who who's actually going to pursue you, how they're going to pursue you, how they're going to say that you're regulated. And there's even you know conflicting regulations between various government bodies within the same you know within the U.S. and or within other government in, institutions, and uh, so that becomes very problematic and very scary for you know the crypto assets in the world. Well, one of the things I was really interested to see was that in the recent bankruptcy cases around crypto, there's been redacted um, names, customer names in the bankruptcy filings. So. I mean, that's really unusual, isn't it, Vinny? I mean, that would norm- not normally happen in, in a situation anywhere else. So so you have a conflict between two different things, right? Crypto and blockchain, has it's anonymous, right? And, and then you have bankruptcies, which traditionally have been an open uh, process. All the creditors are listed. Uh, all, you know, everybody knows who's owed money. Everybody knows what's going on. But... But then you have something like the Celsius case, right? Celsius did not redact account holders' names, the customer names. And those account holders were the subject of a huge phishing attack. There was a fake court order that was sent out. The order asked for the account holders to provide their keys to their wallets. 
to provide their contact information <laughs> and also to pay a filing fee. You got to you got to pay a new filing fee now. Right. So so this raised a lot of questions, because, first of all, um, and 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 uh, in that case, the FBI was brought in. Right. A court order, a federal bankruptcy court order was forged and circulated. And after that, we started seeing, you know, all the account holders. You see, uh, you know, those those large accounts, those whales on, on that list. You're going to start, you know, if you're if you're a bad actor, you're going to start attacking those accounts and trying to figure out how to get there. And and if you understand what wallet that exchange had and who were the ones providing, performing significant transactions with those wallets, you're going to start, you know, going to start to trace those wallets. And and that's why, you know, it, it kind of conflicts the bankruptcy process. But I think it's a good thing to redact those names. It's no different to me than redacting all the patients' names in a hospital case here in the United States. It's it's protected information and you should do that. Okay. So it's it's really the privacy side because I, I guess I guess I see it as being slightly it's not the openness that you would expect in bankruptcy proceedings. And you know, there's this sort of is it right and proper? And surely as people wise up, that there must be ways of protecting these people, but still keeping the open process there. Uh, don't you think that they should try to achieve both? I still think that the crypto technology space and law in general, but bankruptcy law as well, just haven't caught up to each other, right? And yeah. and you know, technology is going to outpace those changes. And um, you, we just need to be practical when we're when we're working on these cases and think about it. You know, you're only redacting it from the public record. You know, the court knows and the and the U.S. trustee and the eventually the professionals that are working on the case know who those individuals are and what those accounts are and what has to be done with those accounts. You know, I, I think privacy has got to be a big concern, especially when you see something like what happened in the Celsius case. So, I mean, in some cases, the government bodies such as the DOJ and the FBI have seized funds and assets. So is this to protect against that sort of thing? Or, or why are they doing that? Why are they taking that action? I mean, when you look at the, the cases that pop up like uh, FTX, right, and and uh, Freed and all the transactions uh, that were conducted with crypto, with shares in uh, other exchanges, and, and, you know, fleeing the country, right? So the, the, the DOJ still has the ability to seize assets if they believe they're related to criminal transactions or the the profits of criminal transactions. And so does FTX get the benefit from criminal transactions? Do the FTX account holders benefit from those transactions? I, I think it's a it's a fair process. But on the other side, there should also be then a recoupment back to the estate of those transactions in those other connected cases that we've seen. Overall, the valuation of crypto assets is still a really significant issue, isn't it? And it sort of feeds into that as well. So, John, what is still making this so difficult? Well, yeah, again, a lot of it comes down to the lack of regulation or the lack of the ability to regulate it. The volatility is still substantial. Um you know, as we were talking about earlier, a bunch of people have started to, you know, move the operations of exchanges and stuff out of the U.S. shores because 
of the fear of the unknown regulation regulatory environment and, and that causes the fluctuations but then you also have you know really intriguing things where some of these cases that we're talking about like the celsius case for instance where you know the people did get unveiled and they did get fished which is you know an important uh, aspect the other thing that became known was uh, some of the whales, and whales is a term they use in relation to accounts that hold large amounts of assets in the crypto space. And some of those whales, people were able to follow what those whales were doing and unveil that the whales were buying and selling, you know, Ethereum to Litecoin, for instance. And they were just buying back and forth in order to drive transaction volumes up. And so it's it's unveiled that, you know, the crypto market, the values can be uh, manipulated pretty substantially by those whales. Those people that have large volumes of cryptocurrencies are able to trigger a lot of transactions occurring, driving up volume. So then there's this perceived volume burst and the trading algorithms say, hey, wait, there's a lot of activity here. There's a lot of buying going on or a lot of selling going on of Ethereum or Litecoin or whatever coin. Yeah. And so then that actually manipulates the market price because then, you know, again, cryptocurrency valuation, putting aside stable coins or, or things tied to real world assets, its value is derived from the people's belief in that currency. And so when somebody sees, hey, you know, there's 24 billion in transactions going on of Ethereum, I'm going to go buy Ethereum then because I think it's, you know, it's it's getting stronger and stronger when a lot of it, it was really being done and manipulated by some of the more nefarious exchanges or some of these whales in order to actually drive profit. They were using it to create that valuation dry spike or drop whichever it is it, it's just become very manipulatable and, and that's become much more aware to the public um through some of these cases and uh, until they find a way to regulate that sort of behavior i i think you know you're going to continue to have these wild valuations and fluctuations i see Vinny uh snickering over there what what's well, your you went, right, you went right back to regulation Right. Because, I, absolutely. Because you're right. Because if that was a stock on the market, a run on the stock or a sell off of the stock and all of a sudden it's halted. Right. Right. Like what's going on here? Who's manipulating the market? And and you don't have that, that here. It just continues until someone decides it's going to stop. And what's the next cryptocurrency we're focused on? I'm just interested by all the fishing terminology. You know, we're fishing for whales. Is, is this like some subversive group of fishermen? I mean, I, I have I have my suspicions now. <laughs> but I mean, John, are the professionals getting better at this? I mean, you just made the point that I was going to come back to that um, that people are now beginning to understand a bit. They they understand the bad behaviour, don't they? The manipulation of the market. So surely the professionals are getting better at seeing through that, at making more realistic valuations because they can tell what's been done. Is that true? It, it is to some extent, but again, it's a very uh, manipulable market. Um, yes, uh, so as the professionals that do these investigations, the tools are getting better. The The databases are getting larger. We're starting to be able to identify those patterns that, you know, say, hey, there's something going on here. Somebody's 
pushing this to a stock rise or, you know, to a valuation rise or a valuation drop and those sort of things. And so we're able to start figuring some of those things out. But on the same note, you know, the the bad actors are also learning from all of this. They're they're also able to access that information. So they're getting more sophisticated. So it's it's kind of that constant ebb and flow. You know, we make some gains. We figure a little more out in our tool, then all of a sudden, you know, they figure out, hey, well, if I do this, then that doesn't trigger that. And so nobody sees it. And so I'm going to go do this. And so it's that kind of constant balance uh, up and down. So, yeah, I think we're definitely getting better. We're getting smarter, but so are, you know, the nefarious actors. So it's, it's you know, I, I don't know if that we have true gain. Oh, I was just being optimistic there. <laughs> I was hoping that we were getting somewhere. <laughs> so, Vinny, give me an overview of the whole marketplace, just a quick summary of where we're at at the moment. To go back to value, right, we saw a tremendous decline in value through, you know, the spring of this year. We saw $2 trillion in value erode, right? It's it's the crypto winter, right? But everything goes in cycles. So the question now is, what's going to happen with crypto values? They've kind of uh, leveled off for a little bit, but, you know, it's going to be another cycle and it's going to be driven by what? You know, that's the question. What's what's going to drive up or down going forward? I think, you know, if, if you're looking at investing in cryptocurrencies, trading in cryptocurrencies, I, I think you just need to be able to go in with eyes wide open with an expectation that any given day you're going to be able to see things go dramatically up or down and realize that, you know, until regulation, at least here in the, in, in the U.S., makes it a safe place for people to play in, you're, you're at risk and, and, and that it's your chance that you're taking there. What about you, John? Do you agree with what Vinny's saying? Have you got anything else to add to that? Yeah, no, I mean, I do agree with what he's saying. I, I think, you know, again, the the regular, you know, going back to the regulatory concerns, it's really how that's all going to land is what's going to affect all of this. And, and it's not just having the regulations, but how they're going to be able to enforce them. Uh, you know, I, I think because, you know, when you start talking about cryptocurrencies, the majority of them were built around this concept that, hey, no one country, no one government, no one entity can affect that currency can control that currency or and that's how they're built and so how do you regulate something that's built around avoiding regulation um becomes really interesting i think the other key thing to talk about is you know like I, I said we'd come back to it later which is the stable coins and you know the tethers and stuff like that and so this year, the, the the big hot commodity is really um, tethers that are called RWAs, and so it's tether it's it's cryptocurrencies that are tethered to real world assets, and they're moving away from being tethered to your fiat currencies like you know the U.S. dollar or mm. those sort of things. Because again, all of these regulatory concerns. So now they're starting to say, hey, we're going to make a, a cryptocurrency, but it's tethered to real estate assets or it's tethered to you know a mine asset or uh, all sorts of different things. And so now all of a sudden they're they're tethering the these coins and pegging the values to these other real world assets. The majority of the reasoning behind that is to help avoid some of this, the, the regulatory concerns and the regulatory unknowns that are out there. But uh, that also has impacts because now you're starting to move into 
other areas. And so now other governing bodies are getting interested when all of a sudden you're talking about, hey, we're going to peg a cryptocurrency to, um, you know, real estate, commercial real estate, for instance. Um, what's the impact of that? And, you know, how does that affect valuations? But also, how does that affect, you know, regulations around owning property and who owns the property and how that property is owned? And it just gets crazier and crazier. I mean, obviously, this is such a complex market and it's so difficult to summarize. But if you were going to give some current tips today to somebody who's trying to deal with an insolvency with crypto involved, what would your tips be, Vinny? Run? <laughs> no, I mean, look, if, 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 you're, if, if you're already there and the crypto is already there, right, I, I think you need um, assistance from people who are well-versed in that industry. Because if you don't, you're going to misstep. Um, you're going to miss an opportunity. You, you know, you might be sitting there uh, a month later, you know, why, why did why did my assets decline 30%? You can also be sitting there, you know, why am I up 40%, right? But, but you need to bring in professionals who are well-versed in the industry. Oh, I can see that. You agree, John? Yeah, no, definitely getting the the professionals that are versed in the industry. And I, I think probably the key thing when you start talking about an insolvency is really understanding how it impacts the entity. Is the cryptocurrency, hey, we got donations, you know, we're a nonprofit and we got some donations in cryptocurrency, or hey, are we selling and receiving payment in cryptocurrency? And so we've got real goods and real cost tied to that cryptocurrency. All of those things come into the valuation and, and the uh, decision tree around, hey, do we have to liquidate these? Do we hold these? You know, what's the meaning for the business? If you sit there and, you know, it's a business that's transacting in cryptocurrencies and then you say, hey, we're going to liquidate all that cryptocurrency, convert it to, you know, fiat asset that could shut down the business and actually cause other problems because they don't have the cryptocurrency to continue the transactions that the business is trying to do. And if they're trying to restructure, that becomes a real problem. You know, so you really have to be very intelligent around not only, you know, finding professionals that understand the ins and outs of the crypto world um, to figure out you know, where your assets are, what kind of assets you have, how those assets are in movement. Um, but you also have to understand how it impacts your business. Is it integral to how the business operates or is it a side effect like donations or uh, you are holding a ransom wallet? Uh, you know, you are holding cryptocurrency in order to pay for a potential ransom if a, a ransom event occurred. Those can have very different meanings and impacts to a business and what you can do with that cryptocurrency. Anybody wanting to be intelligent, get hold of you guys. Where would they find you? Where's the best place to come? LinkedIn or your websites? Yeah, LinkedIn for me. VTOPY on LinkedIn. Pretty easy. Same for me. Uh, John Wilson Forensics on, on LinkedIn. Very easy to find. Well, thanks so much, guys. That's been really interesting and um, great to see you both. And thank you. Yeah, thanks, oh, Thank you. See you soon. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by the Nexia Turnaround Restructuring and Insolvency Business Group. The group was formed to bring together financial, legal and operational expertise from across the Nexia network to support global clients and international business at times of operational challenges and financial distress. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers, then please click the link accompanying this podcast or visit the Nexia website. 
views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. You're advised to seek professional advice if you want to see how an issue applies to your own situation.